What's going on? Welcome back to the coffee table. We are without Alec and Deco today, but we do have my good friend Zach, who is probably the sweetest, most loyal guy I have ever met in my entire life. And I'm so happy to have him here because he's well-spoken, he's professional, and he's wanting to make a bigger impact in his life starting right now. So, Zach, tell us who you are. Um, well, I'm blessed to be here, first mm. off. And uh, thank you, too, Kama, for bringing me here. Um, I'm Zach Brown. I am a senior here at High Point University. Um, who? Where should I start this story, Camo? <laughs> um, I feel like I should start it the most adequate way with how I met you, how mm. I met Christian, kind of the... Yeah, how did we get fa- here? The family dynamic that we mm. have. Um, so I would say my journey kind of with camo starts freshman year really um kind of started when our mutual buddy christian transferred to high point um funny enough actually the first semester christian was on campus i had math class with him i was sitting in the front of the class with um who was it i think it was just one of my buddies that i knew at the time (laughs) teachers just going through a bunch of the first day stuff you know goes oh do we have any athletes in the room I raised my hand because I was on the golf team at the time. Christian's in the back of the class, raises his hand too. Teacher asked me, oh, what sports team are you on? I was like, oh, men's golf. Great. Christian's the next person behind me. Right. Professor calls on Christian. Christian goes, oh, I'm Christian Castillo. I'm a new recruit on the golf team. I snap my neck. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't break my neck. But I snap my neck, kind of give him a dirty look because our coach hadn't really informed us at the time that we were getting a new player. So Fresh I was like, meat. yeah, so I was immediately like, well, this kid's fibbing. So <laughs> <laughs> funny enough, I went and talked to him after class. I was like, hey, like I'm Zach Brown. I'm on the golf team. Like, I don't know if you were telling the professor you were on the club team mm. or not. So that was kind of my first experience with Christian. But I would say my first experience with you, I think over the course of that semester, the next semester, we kind of just ran into each other because Christian right. lived with me that next semester and never really got close. But I would say, like, the first time you and I really, really got in depth was Alabama. Mm. Like, really got to know each other, which was, in my opinion, one of the turning points in my life. Wow. Just, it was a very eye-opening experience for what I would call, like, how I view my symbolism of family Mm. for sure. Mm. Um, Just because I was surrounded by people that weren't my blood, Mm. but I was surrounded by some of the most love I had ever felt in my life. Right. Whether it was constructive, constructive criticism Mm. of some of the dumb things (laughs) that I said over that trip and you immediately laugh because I think you know what I'm talking about, but it's just, I mean, it's stuff like that where, we're in this situation in this recording studio where we're in. So I kind of touch on that first, but I just feel like there's been a lot of things in my life, especially the last two years that really, I would say defines my journey in a sense. And oh, so I, it was all recent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just cause I mean, for the longest time in my life, I felt like I was living the life of, Zach Brown, the golfer and defined by Zach Brown, the golfer and never really got the chance to actually deep dive into who I was and who I wanted to be and my character as a person then. 
because we're always working to better ourselves, looking for new opportunities, different avenues, all that. But I think that's kind of my today story. Mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, I feel like everyone has a story that you shouldn't go into so much detail about, like, trying to bring a narrative to right. yourself. Okay. In a sense. That's fair. I the I want to touch on the family part mm-hmm. because all the people that we were with in Alabama, mm-hmm. nobody was related except for Christian, Connor, and Brooke, right? Mm-hmm. But for some reason, we all felt connected. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because we were surrounding ourselves with people like Christian, Connor, and Brooke. Mm-hmm. Now, we all have our initial family, mm-hmm. whether... I know that family life growing up wasn't the best. Mm -hmm. And then I found the Castillos Mm -hmm. and they became my chosen family. Mm -hmm. So you have your blood family and your chosen family. And I think that that chosen family that we're able to surround ourselves with is like, I mean, you can choose anyone who wants, who can be a part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that you and I got so incredibly blessed to even somehow cross paths with them and each other. And uh, I'm very grateful for my chosen family. Because, yeah. and the thing about the, you were golf, or Zach Brown, the golfer, mm-hmm. that was your whole personality. Mm-hmm. And then you came into Zach Brown, the person, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. So what was one of the, what makes Zach Brown a person rather than a golfer? Um, and I'm going to pause for a second trying to navigate the best avenue to answer that question. Yeah, you're good. Um, just because of my journey that I did have with mm-hmm. golf and the way that my career kind of ended, mm-hmm. I struggled with a sense of purpose and drive mm. for a little bit and was definitely sidetracked, not focusing on the right things, um, definitely not focusing on loving myself. Right. Because I feel like that... Um, it took me a while to definitely realize you cannot get very far in this world if you don't have the foundations and the inside right. set and built. Because you cannot love another person, for example, if you don't love yourself. Right. And that's one thing that I've learned. I can't love you and be a good friend to you if I'm not my best friend to myself. Right. I can't be the best son to my father if I don't love myself. Right. And so to that question, transferring or transitioning from Zach Brown, the golfer, to the individual that I'm working to become and bettering myself every day to try to be, Mm. definitely I don't regret those times that I was kind of quote-unquote lost or not on task or not living with purpose as Mm -hmm. I feel like we hear a lot about. Um, But I would say the main big thing that kind of kickstarted that transition to really self-identifying within myself and finding out who I am, what I'm interested in, closing off my circle and surrounding the people that I, I love and I know love me started Mm -hmm. with the gym as weird as that is. Just because I felt like 
the first couple times that I went to the gym, it was kind of just getting my toes wet. Mm -hmm. I had always been an athlete, kind of athletic, strong guy. So I was like, <laughs> there was a part of me. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit sidetracked um, about <laughs> the gym topic. Even when I was an athlete here on campus and a golfer, I was like, why am I on the golf team and I'm doing the same exercises and strength work that basically the men's lacrosse team is doing? And that relationship of even my mentality of doing those hard lifts is like, oh, I'm a golfer. I shouldn't having to be doing the hard lifts and the hard work, like all this stuff. But it was just because of that sense of complacency that I had, in my opinion. Okay. And so it was kind of prioritizing the gym to the point that it has become a crucial part of my schedule and my day-to-day -day life to the point that I have a real big struggle taking a rest day now. Mm, like it's a non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. Because gotcha. I just feel like, especially now that I go to the gym in the morning too, mm -hmm. if I don't start my day kicking my own butt, I <laughs> am off. Like right. I am off that day. Okay. And with my injury too, I've been learning a lot about myself mentally mm -hmm. because I haven't been able to start my day out squatting whatever I squat right. or being able to go as hard as I want to because I'm dealing with those limitations. Right. It's funny because you say that you're starting to read Can't Hurt Me or you just ordered it. Just bought it at Barnes and Nobles like two days but ago. But so much of what you just said is like almost everything that he kind of talks about. Mm -hmm. So to go back to the, your thing about the foundation Mm -hmm. What David Goggins says is he went through all this shit, and I won't spoil anything for you. Yeah. But he went through all this shit, and that was he was building his foundation. He went through buds, he completed buds, and then he got injured, and then he got kicked out of buds. And then he was like, Oh my god, I'm he, he started to have fear because mm -hmm. he was gonna have to go through it again. And that was because all the things that he thought he put away through the buds training and like, oh, I'm this hard guy his foundation was still shaky. So then when something did get really hard and he was really scared, he broke down mm -hmm. because his foundation was weak and his foundation fell through. Mm -hmm. So I think that you even bringing up foundation and wanting to have a bigger foundation, stronger one, dude, you're, how old are you? 21. Yeah. You, if you figured that, he figured that out when he was like 30 plus, middle mm -hmm. 30s. You're figuring that out right now. That's that's an insane compound interest of your foundation built. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. That's Thank fantastic. You. And the you doing lacrosse lifts as a golfer and then you going, oh, well, I'm a golfer. I should probably just be doing like, I don't know, whatever golfers mm -hmm. would do. You were taking on that personality again. Mm -hmm. And you were like, oh, well, this isn't who I am. I'm this person. However, you weren't being Zach Brown. So again, you acknowledged it which I think is a huge, like, that's massive. Mm -hmm. That's a really big deal. Yeah. So then getting into, like, the nitty-gritty of what we wanted to talk about today. Mm -hmm. um, so, Zach here, you work, you, you have a job. What is that job? So I'm currently an account executive and work kind of in the internal operations of a payment processing and credit card processing company called iPayment Protected. Mm -hmm. We've been in the industry for 30 years now, basically since the credit card and the processing machine has been a oh, thing. Okay. Um, so I'm very blessed to be in the situation that I'm in. I've learned a lot 
from some very important people mm-hmm. that have been successful in their lives. And I'm very blessed for that because I have avoided some of the naive mistakes that people make our age mm-hmm. because of the people that I've been blessed to be able to surround myself with in the environment I'm in. Right. So with that being said, is that somewhere where you want to be forever? Um, I would definitely say the premise of the field that I'm in and kind of my business in particular selling structure, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. Because the way that I phrase what I do to people, because when you say, oh, I'm an account executive doing sales for a credit card processing firm, mm-hmm. especially with as a 21-year-old, right. people, some of the looks they give me, oh, this kid's a credit card scammer. Because <laughs> unfortunately, that's right. one of the things that our age demographic has gotten into. But... What we actually do is, yes, it's sales, Mm -hmm. but the way that we present our items that we sell or the point of sale system Mm -hmm. or even for multi-location corporations, we have a back-end kind of auditing and consulting tool that we use for businesses. So it's sales, but I view it as consulting because I'm going to an existing business saying, hey, if you give me your merchant statement, I'll do a free analysis. So one, I'm doing a free analysis for the company where a lot of companies in my industry charge $50, $75, some small nominal Mm -hmm. margin that adds up for their profit. But we're like, all right, the quickest way for us to get in the door is a free analysis. We're going to try to save them as much money as we can. Mm -hmm. And we're going to give them top of the line, either Clover or Valor technology. Okay. So- the way that I present these solutions to my merchants, I feel like I'm sitting on the same side of the table as them. Right. So if I can stay in that industry of where to, I go to a brick and mortar owner or I go to a corporate C-suite executive and I frame my deal or whatever I'm trying to sell mm. as a benefit to them and it actually is a benefit to them and is going to help them out. Right. Then I can die the happiest man in the world. Right. Because the business owners that I've already helped in my short career, the utility and the happiness that I've brought them when it's a job well done, mm-hmm. dude, the feelings that brings me is right. I can't even describe. So that's why we do it. Yeah. So the reason why I ask you that is because you and I are kind of on different sides of the table. Mm-hmm. physically and metaphorically um, just because I'm going more of the entrepreneur, not saying that you aren't, but as of right now, mm-hmm. I'm going more of the entrepreneur route and you are going the corporate route, mm-hmm. which I don't have any negative feelings towards it. Yeah. Just how it is. So I wanted to ask, what is your definition of freedom from your side of the table? Mm-hmm. So I would definitely say, The first thing that comes to my mind is freedom is doing what I want when I want Mm -hmm. and having the ability to do that at the blink of an eye. Right. Like having the freedom. Hmm. I don't know, because like in the right now, my definition of freedom is like, oh, Camo, after we finish this podcast, we can literally go anywhere in the world (laughs) to to our disposal. But 
in the sense of free will. Mm-hmm. I think it's the ability to have unlimited success and happiness okay. when I think in the sense of like free will and freedom and how like they coexist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then on the other side of the coin, my definition of freedom is growing a business to the point where I can leave for three months and come back with it being even stronger than before. Mm-hmm. So we brought up in later in earlier podcasts was the cash flow quadrants by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. And there's the left side of the quadrant and there's the right side of the quadrant. On one side, there's small business and employee. And then on the other side, there's investor and big business. Mm-hmm. So my definition of freedom is going to the big business. Because the difference between the big business and small business is within a small business, if you are not working mm-hmm. and you are not putting all your attention to it and you leave for a week, the your business is going to fail, Yeah. right? So my idea of freedom is having the ability to travel, leisure, spend time with people that I want to, prioritize fun while still making money. So that's what I'm trying to grow on my side. Mm-hmm. I think that's spot on, dude. Perfect. Yeah. Now, what does, and I know that you just kind of spoke to it a little bit. Could you get that freedom with what you are doing right now? So that's interesting. You kind of asked this. And from what I've read from the 48 Laws of Power and something that kind of has stuck with me mm-hmm. is I was a very big person that I would talk about a job or I would talk about a project or I would talk about something good in my life before it hadn't fully completed. Mm. And so that's one of the big things in that book in one of the chapters is don't talk about a project or something until it's actually had success and it's completed. That's so big. with that said, I'm not going to say too much about it because I don't want to overpromise and hmm. under deliver, but And just from nowadays too, how important it is to have multiple streams of income. Right. Um, I am researching and in the middle of establishing my own equity firm LLC. Okay. Uh, Just from my family's background, we still have some commercial real estate parcels that need to be developed. And then kind of the development and visionary side of the commercial real estate world with how many avenues you can go into that interests me. Um, so that's something that I'm working on in the current and to kind of circle back around to your question. I think if I stayed in the environment with the people I'm with currently working, Mm -hmm. I feel like that'll bring me endless utility and happiness just because I do believe in one, the people that I'm surrounded with right Mm -hmm. now. And then two, I believe in the future of what we're building currently. Right. And I know that you and I are the two type of people, too, that we're never going to stay in a situation for a very long time that's bringing us an over- overwhelming, um, like, feelings of sadness or right. regret of you being there or just, like, not wanting to be in that situation. And, and that's why you and I surround ourselves right. with each other is because we know our worth. And right. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Absolutely. One thing I want to acknowledge is the fact that you are getting an LLC for an equity firm for commercial real estate and the multiple ways, what would you say, multiple lines of income. Mm -hmm. That 
that was that was the answer that I was hoping that you would say, and you said it. So that's absolutely awesome. Um, just because cor- corporate, it can be scary mm-hmm. because you hear the stories about, um, you know, I'm just living paycheck to paycheck, or um, I'm 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 just okay, like I'm getting by, right? In no way is your job just getting you by, but you can't. You're basically putting all your eggs in their basket to support you. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you're diversifying because that's that's mm-hmm. really good. Um, the other thing that I was going to say was, oh, you said that you and I are these kinds of people. What makes you and I different from people who aren't in this studio right now? Complacency. And I feel like I answered that very fast, but complacency. <laughs> um. I'm a big believer that human beings, us as a human being, what we're made of and the energy that we have inside our bodies and that we project even to one another communicating Mm -hmm. with each other. We are so powerful just as being a human being Mm -hmm. and capable of so much that it genuinely hurts me sometimes when I see very talented individuals Mm -hmm basically stuck in a situation like it genuinely hurts me and I always offer to people or whether it's talking to my fraternity brothers that are younger than me or someone that I see in the working world they're in a situation that they shouldn't be in in my eyes which is my perspective and could be different than someone else and they could be completely fine with whatever x y and z job they're working but I can confidently say that I would be one of those first people to, one, help them, reference them to someone new that will give them a better opportunity, and then, three, follow back up with them, Mm -hmm. even if nothing comes from it, or, two, to just make sure that they are fine with passing up this opportunity. And I think those are the people that remember people like you and I. Mm -hmm. Like, who was there when I didn't, they might not even know that they have an issue. But you're like, yo, man, like, I know that you're so much more than what you're giving right now, and I just want to help you find that. Yeah. You're like, oh, shit. And they might take it wrong. And you're like, what, who the fuck are you to tell me? Da, da, da. But then when they do come around, they'll be like, oh, damn, Zach Brown, Camel Sarner, they were there. Mm-hmm. And I'll always remember that. Yeah, because, <laughs> and I'd actually like to shout out Alec real quick, even though I've mm. really never had a very deep conversation with him, only just kind of passing each other by, and mm. we know each other just because mutual friends and everything, right. but of that friend that tells you you're fat, <laughs> I feel like, I right. mean, honestly, you and I are that friend, right? and it's, a lot of it is how the person takes it. They can take the victim mentality and say, oh, yeah, I am fat, and you're hurting my feelings that you're calling me out, this, that, and the other, and not right. change anything about it. Or there's the opposite side of the spectrum that's, oh, yeah, I have gotten a little bit overweight. Thank you for pointing it out, Camo or Zach. You're a really good friend. You care about me. Right. So it's just, I mean, as much as the message from you or I, it's how the person on the other end of that message receives it, compartmentalizes it, and uses it or doesn't use it. Right. And if we're if we're bringing up Alec, to that telling somebody that, you know, there's something wrong in how they perceive it, mm-hmm. one thing that Alec taught me, and he actually has a tattoo of it, and it's now my favorite word ever, and it's perspective. Yeah. And Alec, 
and yeah, Christian has it too. And it's just, it, that is such a powerful word meaning behind it. Cause you get to choose your perspective. Mm-hmm. Like the person who's like, Oh yeah, you hurt my feelings. Or the person's like, you know what? You're right. Thanks for calling me out. Thanks for checking me. Like there are, you have, you have the option mm-hmm. to choose how it, how it correlates with you. Now, and Alex a fucking legend. Oh yeah. I love Alec. That's my boy. Oh yeah. Um, moving on to the next topic. You and I, people would call us kids. Yeah. But we're men. Yeah. We're 21 and 22 years old. I know we don't sound like it, but we are. <laughs> so what are the advantages that kids our age have in the kids who are, or I'll just start with, what are the, what are the advantages that kids our age have nowadays? Um, I feel like the best way to do this is, do you kind of just want to spitball back and forth? Because I, sure. have, I have one that I think it's kind of just the premise um, of the advantage that we have at this age is our age. Right. We're starting so early, mm-hmm. right? So we have the ability to fail and still have an inconceivable amount of success later, yep. right? And we have the ability now to make quote-unquote bigger mistakes that you couldn't make down the road yep, once you're right. already established in your professional career because we're still learning. Right. And, I mean, we're still going to be learning when we're successful mm-hmm. because we're always learning. And we have more time to bounce back. Mm-hmm. But I think the first main thing is that we're starting this early. Right. And, yeah, that's that's a huge advantage. And to go on top of that, why are we able to start so early? It's because of all the damn resources that we have. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, we're sitting in this podcast studio at our school. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I... I have hung out with Brooke Castillo, Alex, and Layla Hormozzi. Jealous. Jealous. <laughs> and, they, like, I'm, I made a video. I'm in a billion-dollar group chat. Yeah. And, no, I don't bother them all the time. Mm-hmm. But if I have a quick question for them, I'm able to text them, and they just they give it right back to me whenever they have time. However, not everybody has access to that resource, so what resources do we have access to? YouTube. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Yes, TikTok. You can learn on TikTok. I've learned mm-hmm. plenty on TikTok. Yeah. And it's also like older generations, they're like, oh, these kids have it so easy nowadays. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the point? Yeah. I mean, I feel like as the world develops more, it's supposed to get more accessible. Right. Right? Exactly. So, so we're able to take that older generation's failures and if they're at point A, we're able to meet them at point A mm-hmm. and bypass them to point B. Mm-hmm. And then our kids will take us to point B or we'll take them to point B. And then they'll, yeah. and it's, it's just evolution, right? Yeah. It's, it's efficient. We're, we've become more efficient and we have so much power at the power of our fingertips. Oh, It's insane. Especially and kind of going off topic a little bit mm-hmm. and back to the capability that we have as human beings, mm-hmm. just because I like, me as a human, I don't think a lot of people really understand how powerful they are, mm. whether that's physically, whether that's mentally, whether like how impressible you are. Like there's so many variables that make you up as you that you might forget about, not be fully conscious of, but 
that's that's kind of where I think the people our age, the really successful people, realize how powerful they are and how much potential they have. Right. And it's the matter of ironing out that potential and using it. Mm-hmm. At an at er, an earlier age. Yes. Yes. It just gives us an insane advantage. Because, I mean, there's like there, there's that one kid on YouTube that's 16, 17 years old that he started out with toy reviews or something. Now he has, I think he has like four or five different pages and he's barely ever shown his face on the channels. <laughs> and he makes millions of dollars. There's not just one way to make money. No. And sometimes you might just stumble upon it. And if I want to go start a toy review channel, I'm going to that kid's channel and I'm learning from him. Yeah. Because he's done it. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about this earlier. This podcast isn't for the people who have done it. It's for the people who want to do it or are going through it. Yeah. So we learn from the people who have done it, but we're also trying to teach you guys, you know, as we're going through it, the things that we're learning and how you can leverage what we've mm-hmm. used and surpass us. Yeah. Like when when you give advice or I give advice, I don't give you advice so then you don't surpass me. Mm-hmm. That's just a that's a dick move. I give you I give you advice. I'm just saying you mm-hmm. advice so then you can take it and take it further than I did. Yeah. So I think that that's that's a good thing as well that we have access to. Um. There are there are kids who are making a lot of money right now. Why why isn't that us? And maybe I can clear that up a little bit. Those kids, you know, maybe they're they're doing some side hustles. Maybe they're starting a power washing company or they're day trading or stuff like that. But the thing that I want to focus on is, is that sustainable? Are those kids who are flexing all the gold watches and the iced out chains, is what they're doing sustainable? And how can you and I help people who want to become those rich kids mm-hmm. find that sustainability? Um. So I'll actually touch into a book that I'm actually reading right now. It's called The Psychology of Money. Um, The one main, one of the main things that it talks about is one, building wealth and creating wealth. Mm. But then the other big thing that no one thinks about is keeping that wealth. Mm. So to your point of the iced out watches, the cars that they're either financing or paid cash down of cash that they shouldn't have put down, Mm. that lifestyle in itself at face value is not sustainable in the right. long term. Right. Cause it's like to me, that's like betting on a stock that's been on the downturn for three years and you've been shorting it for those three years right. and you're gonna keep on continuing to short it, thinking that that company's just gonna go out of business. Right. When in reality, if it's a decent company, it's gonna bounce back and right. it's gonna reemerge and all of that money that you had shorted if you keep getting more and more aggressive at the end of that cycle, you had lost all of that abundance of cash that you had made. Buying the nicer cars, mm-hmm. spending your money on shit that. So Alec and Deco and I spoke about it earlier. Nobody really cares. So like there was this example where Alec laid down in the middle of the floor in a grocery store because it was one of his like get uncomfortable tasks. Mm-hmm. Nobody even batted an eye. Yeah. So like to wrap it around, I don't care if you have gold chains or a watch or a nice car. If I wanted to right now, I could go get a Ferrari. Not because I have the money, but I can get a loan out for it. Yeah. And maybe miss out on the payments a lot. But I can pretend all I want. I'm not saying that these people are pretending. Mm -hmm. 
However, it's just not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So I want to go into, again, how can we, um, as kids, quote-unquote, such a funny term, (laughs) make a sustainable business. So I have... I have an idea that I actually learned from Brooke Castillo. And she told me, if you want to make money when you're young, solve an issue for a rich person. Yeah. Which is like the most true thing ever. Mm -hmm. And I was also like, Brooke, I really want to start a company. Like, I don't really know what to do. And she was like, how old are you? Like, I'm I'm 21 at the time. She was like, okay, a lot of the people that you'll be helping are much older than that. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what is your biggest asset? I'm like, I don't really know. I'm funny. And she's like, no. Your biggest asset is your time. Yeah. So find a way to give time back to people who are older than you who don't have that time. Mm-hmm. Which, the older you get and the more successful that you get, the more you value, value your time. If I came to you and you're some big CEO or big business owner with multi-million dollars, mm-hmm. would you hire me if I said, hey, what if I gave you time for your kids and your family? I mean, 99% of people, including <laughs> me, are absolutely yes as soon as that almost comes out of your mouth. Right. Exactly. So do you, um, do you have anything to add? Do you have any other things? Um, starting out at our age, I think it's so – because I'm, I, just, I make a lot of references to the Psychology of Money book just because mm-hmm. it's the one that I'm currently yeah, reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so – there's the people like Bill Gates where yes, he had the intellectual ability. Mm-hmm. He has the early team around him that led to his success of what Microsoft is today. Mm-hmm. But on the contrary point, you have to think of the percentage of kids that were born during that lifetime. that were the age that he was. That's a percentage. Right. Right. And, uh, um, like fraction of he was one out of ever how many people, right? right? Then you scale that to how many kids are his age, Mm -hmm. how many kids live in the part of California that he lived in. That's increasing this, Mm -hmm. the odds, right? That went to his high school. Mm -hmm. That increases the odds more. And then were, how, how do I frame this? That had the drive that he did to understand what a computer at the time that he was growing up had the capability of. Mm. So that makes me think that as much as everyone says you have to have luck in your life, you do. Right. Because, yes, Bill Gates is one of the most intellectual, like, intellectually prominent people that we've had on our planet in the modern day. Mm. Yes. But was some of it by luck? Yes. Which I'm not saying that everyone goes on a whim that the people that are our age that are worth millions of dollars are lucky. They've mm-hmm. definitely put the hard work into it, but right. I definitely feel like that's a part of it. And I feel like people are kidding themselves a little bit if they don't think that they have to get a little bit lucky. Now, a tangent. I, on my end of the table, I don't believe in luck. Interesting. I personally do not believe in luck. Mm-hmm. I think that we create our own luck. Okay. So what yeah. is what is being lucky? Um, I mean, as much as it is being in the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. I think it's as much as being in that place at the right time with the right people or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's you acknowledging mm-hmm. that you're in that place. Yeah. Okay. Because 
something that I even talked about with someone today is, and I don't know why it randomly popped into my head. I was like, I wonder how many super, super successful people or even like world leaders or stuff like that I've passed by in my life. Right. Like whether it's walking on the street in some random city like New York City or, or murderers, Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> but no, that was the other point. I was like, how many billionaires are millionaires? And then also how many murderers have I walked past? <laughs> yeah, right. So now this is this isn't my original thought. I got this from an Ed Milet podcast. Mm-hmm. But it makes so much sense to this topic is he used the example of baseball. Mm-hmm. He was a baseball player, whatever. When you're in the batting cage and you have somebody throwing you different pitches, fastballs, curveballs, sliders, whatever, mm-hmm. you're able to build up, you know, the repetition, oh, his hands up here, so it's gonna be a fastball or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that the more and in taking it into real life or finishing that thought, then when he gets in the game, He's not getting lucky because he just smacked it out of the stands. He's, it's almost like deja vu. He's seen this before, and he knows exactly where that ball's going to be. Mm-hmm. Was he at the right place at the right time? Did he swing his bat at the right time? Yes, maybe. But he's seen this all before. Mm-hmm. So bringing it into real life, I think that if I was to strike gold on a stock, mm-hmm. I bought at the right time, and it wasn't because I was like... Fuck it. You know, I'm just going to... I got some money to throw in there. It was because... And I, I don't do stock trading, but hypothetically, I saw the trends. I predicted it. I saw the the rhythms, the, the history. History doesn't rhyme. It repeats. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, I see this dip. I don't know the names of them. It was a V shape. <laughs> yeah. And I bought at the bottom of the V because mm-hmm. I've seen this all before. And boom, it just skyrocketed. I didn't get lucky. Mm-hmm. I've just seen it all before. Yeah. I think, are you? Yeah, 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 I'm done. So I think going back into the sports analogy a little bit, as soon as you said baseball, golf popped Mm. back into my mind because I think that sport itself attributes a lot of my belief in luck just because you, (laughs) from the times that I've hit a drive Mm -hmm. 40 yards out of bounds. Right. And it hits some random tree. And kicks back in play. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there, and I'm like, there's something that was out of my control mm-hmm. that that ball hit the right branch to pop it back in play. That is pretty lucky. And whereas golf is a game of that hap- could happen mm-hmm. every shot, but definitely I would say almost happens every round where you have one or two moments like that, that I feel like has kind of shaped my belief of mm-hmm. luck. Right. For sure. Now, for a golfer like myself, who might hook it into the woods, and it bounces off a rock 100 miles or 100 yards that way and then bounces back, that's pretty damn lucky. Mm-hmm. But I think of someone like your stature and your you know golf ability, mm-hmm. I would then argue that saying, you've dialed it down enough. Where was that tree? Was it, was it off the fairway? Was it I deep? Mean, the time that I can think of that popped into my head was mm-hmm. at the U.S. Junior. Christian was at the same event. Okay. We hadn't actually didn't know who each other were at the time. Mm-hmm. This was 2019, summer of 2019, before we were both in our respective colleges and ev- everything at High Point happened. Uh, there was this one hole. It was one of the finishing holes kind of uh, coincided with the end of the property. So there was OB to the right. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think it was like a par five 
17, 16 or something. I wasn't playing that well, was trying to press towards the end of the round, so I tried to absolutely swing one out of my shoes. <laughs> and I had gotten to the point where I was like, all right, if I, like, I think if I birdied the last three holes, four holes, I was going to make it to match play, which <laughs> at the U.S. Junior is a pretty big deal in junior golf. Um, <laughs> tried swinging out of my shoes, <laughs> hips fired a little early, swiped it right. <laughs> and... I think the Duke coach was following my group at the time and one other college coach, they had been sitting on that hole just to see how players played it and mm. strategy and everything. And I was like, Hey guys, like y'all have been sitting here for a while. Like, do you think I should hit another ball in there? They both go. Yes. That ball is definitely gone. You're never going to see it ever again. <laughs> and so second drive took a provisional mm -hmm. hit it good down the fairway or hit it. Well, sorry, bad grammar. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hit it well down the fairway. Don't even look for my first ball because mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that ball's so far gone. Right. So far gone. <laughs> On to the next one. Had forgotten about it. Little volunteer kid with mm -hmm. his little USGA hat comes on. He sees my bib. He goes, Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown. I was like, I'm not that much older than you. Please <laughs> yeah. don't call me Mr. Brown. Like I'm a seven, like 17, 18-year-old kid right. at the time. He's like, I found your ball. And I was like, and I had to try my hardest not to curse to this because in my mind I was like, no fucking way. Right. Because, I mean, I had two established college coaches because mm -hmm. I feel like this is kind of a little bit of a business mm. hypothetical too. Right. Okay. What I'm talking about. So I had two professionals tell me, mm -hmm. oh, that thing is gone. Never worry about it ever again. Lost cause. Right. Right. So I didn't look about it mm -hmm. or look at it. Some little kid comes yep. out of the woods. Oh, I found your golf ball. It's in play. That's that's a little lucky to me. So I think that's where that comes from. Right. But I think we're about to get to a very interesting point and relate it back to the professional environment mm. of what I said of taking those two college coaches word. Right. So close to me because I'm like, oh, two guys that are professional right. coaching kids that like I'm about to be a collegiate athlete. They coach kids that are better mm. than me. So they know what they're talking about. I shouldn't right. even try to go look for right. that ball. Little did I know. Right. It hit some tree in some person's backyard and kicked me back in play. Yep. I To that point, another thing that Brooke Castillo taught me was in that moment, you were using their mind mm -hmm. instead of your own. Yes. Brooke would always get mad at me when I'd ask her a question without giving her the answer after it. Whether, I mean, that answer could have been wrong, mm -hmm. but she was like, Camo, if you're going to ask me a question, whose mind, and you aren't giving me the answer, or at least trying, whose mind are you using? Hers. And I'm like, I'm using yours, I guess. She's like, yeah, so what are you going to gain out of that? And I was like, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So then you were using their mind in that point, but I think that there's a deeper meaning where you didn't think to question authority because mm -hmm. they were older, they were professional coaches, like, oh, okay, yeah, I trust them. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's so important that, you know, we go and find our own answers prior to using their brains with their answers. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe they were right, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go fucking look anyways, because mm -hmm. I want to know, I need that closure. Yeah. So what, what, I think that you were about to go on to a deeper mm -hmm. route with it. So I think to that point, um, I feel like you brought up two very good things with Brooke and not using your own brain. And then two, my lack of questioning mm. that situation. 
because I feel like now in the present, I'm a person that questions damn near everything. <laughs> um, but for good reason, right. I, I believe. Never a dick about it. But. Yeah, right. just because I'm either curious, mm. trying to figure out how something works, or I genuinely don't know, so I want to learn. Right. Willing to learn. Right. So I think that's part of it. And going back to not thinking with my own mind, I feel like that that's kind of a common theme in today's world that people either, one, want to control everyone else to benefit themselves, Mm -hmm. or people just want to kind of silence and demean others so they just fall in line and kind of become complacent and kind of just what we refer to as the matrix. Mm -hmm. They kind of just get sucked in and they're on that path. Yeah. Which I don't want for you. I don't want for me. I don't want for anyone anyone around us. I love. Right. Yeah. And care about. Right. So I would definitely say that it was kind of funny that we connected that from a golf story of me hitting it. (laughs) Uh, tangent a, a walmart out of bounds but <laughs> um i mean i think i think it definitely relates because i'm gonna ask you something that i've been noticing recently especially with how much research i do into the human mind how much research i do into history the research that i've done in trying to educate myself with self-finance in the business world mm-hmm. how secular do you view the world right now Find secular. So that life in a way is kind of like an input output machine. Kind of what you put in is, is what you get out. But also the in between of it. The kind of process that goes from um what's a what's a good example? Oh, talking about my injury that <laughs> I have right now. And going back to the David Goggins story, I feel like that was kind of secular to me because I made the dumb mistake that I did to hurt myself, Mm -hmm. right? Right. I learned from it. Mm -hmm. I knew it was really stupid. I've admitted Mm -hmm. to my friends and people that know about it it is stupid. Right. So the fact that Something got taken away from me mm-hmm. that used to not be a priority in my life, and it's made me come to the full circle of how much it actually does matter mm-hmm. in my life and uh, the part of me right. that it is. That's when I'm kind of trying to allude to that secularness of that the variables in your life that you consistently deal with every mm-hmm. single day are going to repeat themselves and are going to consistently mm-hmm. be in your life. Okay, so to that point, I think I think what you're saying is like, what are the habits mm-hmm. that we have? And I read Atomic Habits by James Clear, and look, I I wasn't I didn't come out the womb like this, and like this I, that's not like like I'm better than you or higher up than you. Mm-hmm. I've just I've learned. Yeah. And um, wanting to learn. And I've, I've upgraded myself. But how did I do that? I changed my habits. So, like, we, we said this in a prior podcast, but it's like kids in college, when Friday comes, 
that habit and that cue craving response reward happens. Mm-hmm. Our cue on Friday is fuck yeah, let's party. It's the weekend. Our craving is let's go drink with our friends. Our response is let's we go to the bar. And then our reward is I had a great time and I was drunk with my friends. Mm-hmm. I switched that and it wasn't easy. But I started to stay inside and I started to read and I started to upgrade myself. And I did it for one Friday. I was like, damn, FOMO, like, fuck, what did I miss? Mm-hmm. And then I did another and another. And I was like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Like, um, so then I think what you were also saying is like, the things that we do, and maybe we have negative consequences or positive consequences, how do we take that responsibility? Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you're saying? A little bit. And I think it, it a lot has to deal with the topic of perspective mm-hmm. of just being aware of things just cause I feel like, I don't know. And then <laughs> the more that I dive into this with myself of mm-hmm. trying to kind of define this in a mm-hmm. sense of what this secularness means to me. And it's actually been very beneficial to talk to you about this too, because it's, it's the habits, right? It's the inputs and outputs. It's, all of that, but I think a lot of it is just how you view things. Because I mean, like, it's the pre- it's the people that you surround yourself with, it's what you do into every single day, it's all of those things right. that all come full circle at different times, right? Because I mean, like, I don't know, just what I've experienced with Eob, mm-hmm. like, I didn't know Eob until this year, mm-hmm. like this. May is when we went to Alabama, right? And mm-hmm. I considered him like my brother for life. And it's <laughs> because of the fake friendships that I had in high school and elementary school and the things that I kind of wished for out of my friends mm-hmm. when Eob says something to me in conversation or just brings up something makes me go back to that circle mm. of, I'm so blessed that I have Eob in my life right. because there was a me once upon a time that was wish, right. wishing for an Eob. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I mean, as crazy yeah. as that sounds. Yeah. No, dude, that's, that that's powerful. Eob's the fucking goat. He's, he's, he is he's everything the best that people I've ever met. He's everything that you would want in a friend. Like what I said for you, like his loyalty and his checking in, his, you know, yo, how's your well-being? Mm-hmm. Or, yo, not like, not like, hey, how are you? It's like, dude, how's that thing that not a lot of people know about, but I know about, mm-hmm. and I know that you've been working really hard on? How's that going? Yeah. I'm like, damn. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Back to your question. Do you mean secular as in full circle? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the, mo- the most powerful thing that I unlocked was that I take responsibility for everything. Mm-hmm. I am in charge of what happens to me. Yeah. hundred percent. And I love knowing that because I know when I go into a situation and I have a fork and there is a light socket in the wall, I know that I am responsible for putting that fork in there. Yeah. And I'm able to have the conscious mind to say, what the fuck are you doing? Don't do that. Yeah. Right. So I'm, let's see if I can think of a story. Um, where it came full circle and I was like, oh, well, getting my real estate license. Mm -hmm. In the moment, I was working hard for future camo. 
And I knew that I saw the full circle before I, when I was starting. I was like, yeah. oh, I know that this is going to benefit me. So like, I, let's start this full circle moment right now. So I think that the key parts of, and remember what your question, the full question was? Uh, it's just like, how do you view it? And does, do you think it plays like a big factor in your life? Oh, like when, like what, what you do now mm -hmm. can change what, oh, absolutely. I, I think that exactly what you and I are doing right now at 21 and 22 years old yeah. is for the sole purpose of when we're 30 and being like, damn, I'm so glad that younger me did that. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, I, li I live my life on, you know, working hard now so I don't have to later. Mm -hmm. And I'm constantly, <clears throat> Alec put me onto this, the, the 20 year room. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm constantly, <laughs> the 20 year room is like where, like if we're practicing golf mm -hmm. and we have a bad round, I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to trip about that because I'm living in the 20 year room where I know that I'm shooting, winning the masters. So I'm living there. I'm not living right here where I just fucked up. I'm still going to, I'm going to use this to propel me towards that 20 year room where I already know that I am mm -hmm. and I am most yeah. powerful words in the English language. So yeah, I, to, to a quick answer. Yes. I believe that it is very secular. Mm -hmm. I think that everything that we do right now definitely starts a chain reaction for what happens later. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. Now I know that you were excited about this one. So I'll let you go, go at it. <laughs> the question is, more of a statement. Cognitive skills versus labor skills. If you could tell me what a cognitive skill means to you and what a labor skill means to you, mm -hmm. and then we'll get into the nitty gritty. So I'll go into cognitive okay. first. So cognitive, we're thinking mental, right. the brain, your yep. mental processes. Yep. So that plays a factor into it. Mm -hmm. Um. I think your cognitive skills deal with how adaptable you are mm -hmm. to um, how receptive you are of other people and uh, going into empathy, especially. Right. Um, so I think it's, it's the culmination of those variables that can kind of, for me, define Cognitive skills, cognitive success, cognitive mm -hmm. failure. Um, just, and those built with perspective, just because I almost forgot to say perspective, just because of how big and <coughs> how much that word is around me. Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely say it's those four variables because, like we were talking about earlier, me personally, I would rather be the master of none than the master of one. Mm -hmm. I would rather be um, slightly, I guess the word proficient is adequate to use here. I would rather be proficient or, yeah, I would use the word proficient in a variety of skills and know how to deal with a lot of different business environments and situations, for example, then only have one course of action mm -hmm. where going in to the kind of physical skills and labor skills. I feel like one that has to do with a lot of your physique and your fitness as a person, right. Mm -hmm. And your physical ability, which everyone varies. Some mm -hmm. people are 
extremely physically gifted mm-hmm. and dedicated, for example, a professional athlete. And then you have someone that has a completely different labor skill that can be one of the best and most efficient farmers and right. agriculturalists mm-hmm. that you've ever seen. Right. But both of those people have become a professional and kind of hold themselves down Mm -hmm. into that one avenue. Right. Whereas I would and want to be able to have a conversation with you, and then if someone in Parliament from England Mm -hmm. came in here next, I would want to be educated enough to know what they're talking about and be able to communicate with them. Yep. For sure. Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Swiss Army knife. Yep. Exactly. That nails it on the head. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you got to be a Swiss Army knife. And I I what love you. I love that um like so the cognitive part is and I actually heard a little bit of entrepreneurial come out of you cuz entrepreneurs are so good at very many things. Mm-hmm. But they're never an expert at one thing. Mm-hmm. That's what we hire out for. We hire the experts. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I think that I think that a little bit of I, I know that you're already an entrepreneurial mindset, but it just came out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so the question is cognitive versus labor. In my own opinion, and if you work on a moving truck, mm-hmm. don't take this personally. This podcast probably isn't for you. But I believe that labor skills are becoming obsolete. And I say this just because of the advances in technology. Very cliche, like, you know, advances in technology. There's factories with robots in it. Amazon Prime, or Amazon has, you know, a couple people who do move the boxes. But they never lift the heavy boxes. They lift the small boxes. Mm -hmm. And they have the boxes brought to them. And so there will always be manpower needed. However, people will always pay more because of your brain rather than your physical ability. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what I'm trying to do right now is become so full of knowledge and become a Swiss army knife mm-hmm. that if you put me into I, if you put me into a farming because you said farming earlier, I could run that farm if you wanted me to. I could consult you on running that farm mm-hmm. if you wanted me to help you. Yeah. Right? That's it's an extreme example, but I'd much rather grow. I I also work out, but I'd much rather grow my mental muscle mm-hmm. than my physical muscles. Because, so I think you made a very interesting point with the Amazon employee thing, and I think we can make another point that you might have not thought about with that. Mm-hmm. What so that same person that's not doing much of the heavy lifting, mm-hmm. they kind of move. Smaller boxes, make sure everything runs right. Mm -hmm. So where this goes from kind of the transformation from physical labor skill to where you can have a cognitive transformation that can benefit you. Mm -hmm. So hypothetically, what if that same employee one day goes, wow, I've been working here for three to four years. If I can somehow figure out a way to make these robots work even more efficiently, or I can provide value to where these robots cannot do what they need to do without some sort of my input, 
for some thing that you've done to make that process more convenient, more accessible and better, mm-hmm. I think you're going to get promoted. Right. And even though you're in a corporate ladder, if you use some cognitive skills in a job like that, you still have room to, what would that word be? Uh, level up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, I just watched, um, I can't remember, it might be Unknown Heroes, but it's the, the movie about the three women who worked for NASA. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that movie? So basically it was like it was three African American women. Okay. And they worked for NASA okay. and they had such a big role in getting them to the moon and you know making their first orbit and stuff like that. So they were called the unknown heroes. Don't quote me on the name of that movie, but it's something like that. Mm-hmm. One of the ladies that goes into exactly what you're talking about is they started to get IBM like calculators. But back then they had mathematicians and they were called the calculators, the people. Mm-hmm. So she was like, shit, we're going to get ran out of here. So what she did was she went to the library and she bought a book on the IBM calculators and learned how to fix them. There you go. And she made herself useful because she she saw what was going to happen. She was proactive, not reactive. Mm -hmm. And she found the solution and she used her cognitive skills to make herself still relevant in that workspace. So I think that what you just said is very, very true and very important. And I hopefully I could, you know, bring it home with some sort of like yeah, 100%. hook or story. 100%. Yeah. Now, also with cognitive skills, because I am pro-cognitive. Mm-hmm. If you have a high, if you have a very strong mental muscle, you can end up using your mind, which requires less effort and allows for greater room to scale. So back to the entrepreneurial stuff. I can sell my mind so much more than I can sell myself helping you move out of a house. Mm-hmm. And it also has the room because then I'll have the knowledge of how to scale it. And or what I mean by scale is, and I keep using the movers, mm-hmm. I can only help one house at a time. Mm-hmm. And I might be able to take three houses in a day, help them all move out, maybe. But by using my mind, I can help hundreds of people in one day by throwing them into a Zoom chat. Yeah. All at once, you charge each person $35 an hour, and you have 100 people in there. For one hour of your time using your head, what's, what's 100 times 35? 3,500 bucks? Yeah. You just made yourself $3,500. You just made yourself worth $3,500 an hour just because of your cognitive skill. So I think or that wait, I am. Did we just have a dumb math mistake on Mike? Is that 35,000 or 3,500? I think I got my calculator. 100 times three and a half. No, that would be 350. Yeah, 3,500. Right. We're good. I was, I was, we're good. Yeah. Overthinking <laughs> there for a second. <laughs> no, we're good. We No, no mistakes. Um, but yeah, so I, I am definitely all for growing your knowledge, and your brain. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, are there any pros to the labor? Absolutely. I think that we will always need somebody. Mm-hmm. Just like, um, you know, we, we always need, we always need teachers. We always need, and they aren't labor, but uh-huh. it, within, the, within reason. 
We always need uh, people who clean the streets. We need people, people who are going to put highways together. Right. Those people are so incredibly important. And those people, bringing it back all the way to the beginning, when we started to talk about how you're in the corporate life, mm-hmm. are they fulfilled? If they are fulfilled doing what they are doing, they are the most successful people on this planet. Yeah. doesn't matter how much money they have. Mm-hmm. So on either side of cognitive or labor, if you are fulfilled, you win. True. 100%. Mm. 100%. I wanted to get that out earlier, but, you know, we got on tangents and yeah. I totally forgot about it. Yeah. But. Well, it's the importance of people staying till the end, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. The, the big giveaway at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I never I never have anything bad to say about people who work in corporate. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I worry about is are they fulfilled? And if yeah. you aren't fulfilled, this podcast is for you. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Because, I mean, that's the biggest thing in life is, mm-hmm. um, I mean, one of the biggest things is happiness for sure. Mm-hmm. And the pursuit of happiness. Mm. Is something that's mm. been going on for thousands and thousands yep. of years, right? As we've been homo sapien humans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with you because I feel like if you are fulfilled with what you put into every single day and what your, like, physical job that you can, that you work to provide for your family, make money, mm-hmm. if that makes you happy then who am right. I to go around trying right. to say, oh, you who, should change this are we? and that. Yep. You know what I mean? Exactly. And back to the point of what you were talking about earlier, how you if you can't if you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else, you can't love your dad the right way, your close family members, whoever it may be. Mm-hmm. Where was I going with it? Oh, wait. I actually forgot what I was going to say. That's on tape. But um, do you want me to try to? Yeah. So I think like for me of that point of why it's so important to me, I think it's Mm -hmm. because of the conversation of what we talked about earlier with David Goggins and that Mm -hmm. foundation, like that shit is so true, dude. Mm -hmm. And so real that people like, they they can hear this, they can read something about loving yourself, and mm-hmm. they'll still not love themselves any differently or love themselves less. Right. Which, I mean, it's where it all starts. Mm-hmm. It's where it all starts. If you're your biggest enemy, you're not going to get very far. Right. At all. Yep. And I, I do remember what I was going to say. When you can't love yourself... How can you expect to love somebody else? And the unfair thing, because we, we are in control of doing what we want to do to mm-hmm. feel fulfilled. Yeah. So when we aren't happy and we don't love ourselves, we are depending on other people to give us happiness, mm-hmm. which is the most selfish thing that you could ever do. Oh, yeah. And you will always be chasing for happiness and you will never find it because they will never, ever be able to match what you, mm-hmm. Zach Brown, me, Camel Sarner, defines as happiness. Mm-hmm. You might be able to fill the void for a bit, but then back to the foundation, as soon as that is gone, your foundation breaks and boom, you're right back at rock bottom again. Yeah, because I mean, that's an interesting point too because that makes me feel or think about the um, like intimate 
relationships mm-hmm. that I've been in. Um, because they're with my experiences, there were times that I was in a relationship with a person when I didn't fully love myself mm-hmm. and that did have a lot of negative back selfish from right. me backlash on that person because I didn't know how to love myself. Therefore right. I had no fucking clue how to love yep. another person. That's for dang sure. Yep. So, and that's why I tell myself even today, no matter how much progress I've made and I don't, and you're still dating hope. Mm-hmm. So especially where I am, I tell myself every single day, even now I'm not ready for a girlfriend. Yep. Because I mean, do I love myself more than I did two years ago? Sure. Mm -hmm. But am I still working on it? Yes. Am I still working on that foundation? Yes. I'm Mm -hmm. 21 years old. Yep. I'm not expected to have everything figured out right now. And I definitely for dang sure don't have it figured (laughs) out right now, but I'm trying, I'm learning. I want to learn. That's all that, that's the biggest thing. I think that's the, the big difference indicator. Now, when you were getting in those relationships, and this is also in Can't Hurt Me, which you're going to learn, is it was so convenient for you to take that drug of love because she gave you the time of day and you saw, okay, here is my chance. You know, she's pretty. We have a good time. Um, do I love myself? No. But, you know, I'm getting some benefits from it, either sexually, physically, mentally, for now. However, I forgot what I was going to say again. It's been a long day. Me and you both. <laughs> um, oh, it was um, in the book, you learn about the, the path of least resistance. Yeah, I've, I've heard about this. Yep. Yeah. When you got in that relationship, you were taking the path of least resistance because you saw a quick solution mm-hmm. that wouldn't, you saw a quick solution to a long term issue. And it wasn't going to fix it, right? Mm-hmm. So do you do you have any, like what, give me an example of a path of least resistance besides that, that maybe that, that you had a, you know, a good life lesson from. Um, it actually, it comes from Alex, mm. from Mosey. Mm-hmm. Um, funny enough, I, I mean, I view him as a mentor to me and I haven't mm-hmm. met him yet. Right. Um, it's what he calls, or that one quote that he has about the stack of undeniable evidence that builds confidence instead of shouting those affirmations mm-hmm. in the mirror, mm-hmm. because the first steps of my journey of building this foundation in myself, I was that person that was shouting, I'm the man mm-hmm. in the mirror, all those different I am affirmations that you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. But yet when I would try to explain what I was doing in my career to a person, yep. I would get very nervous because I didn't have, an actual concrete foundation of the shit I was doing. I was just telling myself, oh, you're doing an adequate job at your sales job because you're in college and you have a job that you're working. Yep. That's what I was building Mm -hmm. that confidence off of when I was trying to play it off. Like I was a C-suite millionaire to some of the people that would ask me Right. when I had no undeniable evidence and was literally cracking in the inside trying to explain it to someone. Right. Right. So. Yeah, I think I, I, I am big into affirmations. I like, you know, positive self-talk. Big thing. How, <laughs> however, and I have an accountability mirror now. Another can't hurt me thing. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down, the person inside the mirror can't change until the person outside does. And then to your point about confidence is also not an original thought. Confidence comes from 
putting yourself in scenarios, figuring that, figuring it out. And then the next time that maybe you are in that scenario again, mm -hmm. you're much more confident. Confident, confidence has two terms, two ways of perceiving confidence of like, I'm an arrogant prick or confidence as in, yeah, I've been here before. I've seen this. Exactly. I'm that kind of confident, mm -hmm. but I'm also confident in the way that I love myself. I'm comfortable with myself. And like, I, I'm un, unapologetically me. Yeah. And, you know, I used to let my insecurities define me, mm -hmm. but now I let my insecurities amplify me mm -hmm. in the most positive way. I'm not the tallest guy. If I need something off the top shelf, I'm going to ask somebody to get it off the top shelf. Yeah. And it's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not over here like, oh, psh, don't help me. Yeah. I'm the man. Mm -hmm. I'm humble enough to say, no, I can't reach it. Mm -hmm. So I think that there, there's two ways to perceive confidence. And there's definitely a right and a wrong mm -hmm. way. Because I know this word's been used a lot today, too. Um, I mean, just learning. And uh, learning has such a broad definition to me because, or has so many compartments to it because there's so many different things you can learn about that, I mean, will it benefit sometimes? Sure. Will it correct a mistake? Sure. Will it prevent some other perilous thing from happening to you? Sure. But if you have the willingness to learn, the desireness mm -hmm. to learn, and the openness to learn, how much are you going to fail? Right. How much are you going to fear failure? Mm. That's the thing that used to eat me <laughs> in the inside was thinking about the failure before it could even happen. Right. The, oh, yep. <laughs> it hasn't even happened yet. What are you freaking out about? People are going to have to stay till the end of this podcast. There's some <laughs> good stuff at the end here. I know. <laughs> We're starting to come into our own. Alec, um... Alec always tells me, like, I think Alex Hormozzi said it. Alec reverberated it to mm -hmm. me. But it's like, if you don't quit, how can you lose? Yeah. And to the learning point, I actually had a cool learning experience the other day. Um, everything secular, everything that I've done up to this point led me to this learning ability, um, which I think that learning is very secular. Mm -hmm. Like, when, I, when I'm in math class... And the teacher raises or says, hey, does anybody have any questions? And I don't have a single f idea of what the fuck is going on. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know what to ask. I think that just starting off with the very basic getting off the math subject. I hate math. Mm -hmm. But starting off with very simple questions, watching those videos, learning from those, and then able to ask new questions. So the way that I had a secular moment in learning was... I started to get, I'm starting to get very into real estate investing mm -hmm. and I'm always looking for more creative and more just like kind of out of the box thinking ways of mm -hmm. investing. And I came across a 1031 exchange. Do you have any idea what a 1031 exchange yeah, is? Yeah. It's when you don't get taxed from selling a property and transfer it into another in a certain amount of time. Right. I had no, that's exactly right. That is exactly okay. what it is. And I had not a single clue about it. I've been a realtor. I didn't for, know about it until a year ago when I had a very dumb conversation with someone in the commercial world. So. Isn't it so weird how it just it just happens that way? Like it's all secular, right? Yeah. You something led you up to that point. And I I watched a YouTube video about a 1031 exchange. And I was like, wait, how can what what happens like if I die? So then I typed that in and I learned if you keep doing a 1031 exchange, 
until the moment that you die and all the houses that are inherited from your family and your kids, all the taxes forgiven. Yeah. So I was like, why wouldn't I just keep doing this over and over again? So I think, I think that that was a cool real life practicing what I preach and constantly learning thing that I had yeah. yesterday. Yeah. I literally just learned about a 1031 exchange yesterday. I mean, it's crazy, dude. And, <laughs> and you've had a successful career so far too. And didn't even know about that until yesterday. Yep. So it's like <laughs> the sky is truly the limit that, as long as you're learning. That's a very good point. That is a very good point. I've been able to make it this far with the things that I did know. Yeah. And now I'm able to go even further on the things that I'm currently learning. Capitalize. That's, that's, a, that's fire. I like that. Um, well, do you have any last-minute thoughts? Do you have anything else to add? Um, I mean, I just think it, truly it's a message for the world that we live in today. Mm-hmm. Believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, P- and I'm saying you because you're the person sitting across mm-hmm. the table from me, but us as human beings are so powerful and so capable of so many things, dude. Don't let anyone try to talk you down of your wildest and biggest dreams. Right. Because that's the shit that you own in your head, and you're the only person that's stopping yourself from it. Don't let the coaches tell you your ball's lost. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Because who knows? It probably isn't. Exactly. That's a good point. Well, uh, I mean, the quote, our deepest fear isn't that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It's not in the light, but in the darkness that we shine the brightest, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Yeah. I think that, well, I just listened to a podcast with Tony Robbins and Ed Milet, um, when I was on my walk the other day. And they were talking about how in life there's winters. Winter yeah. is looked at as like kind of like a slow, cold mm-hmm. season. Not a good season. Mm-hmm. You might like snowboarding, which is another point. You can either spend your winters... Inside, bundled up in your bed, trying to stay warm, sad because there's no sun, yeah. or you can spend your winter snowboarding, snowmobiling, skiing, making snowmen, going sledding, ice skating. By the way, all these activities, you're absolutely sweating your butt off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, there you go. and it's like, are you able, and I, I wrote it down the other day, but I can't remember it now, but it's like, if you're able... When you're at your lowest, if you're able to perform your best still, mm-hmm. that's those are the transcending reps. Mm-hmm. Like when you're going on that 10th and 11th rep and you're trying to push for that 12th, mm-hmm. it's only that 12th rep that counted. Yeah. That's the most important one. That yeah. goes with life. So, again, that winter thing is not an original thought. Mm-hmm. More reverberated. Yeah. And not verbatim, but mm-hmm. um, I think that that, was something really powerful that I learned. I also learned about like how um, we aren't real and I'm not getting conspiracy, like no conspiracy, Uh but I can't remember the name of the the guy who was on the podcast, but he was like, all that we are is our soul. So like goes into stoicism a little bit, right? right? A little bit. yeah. Yeah. So like, Yes, we, we, you see my hands, I see you, but, and what goes on in my head, but what, what my soul is, is the things that I have experienced up to this point, which is who you're seeing right now. You are seeing a figment of your imagination 
And the person that is being portrayed by your eyes is my soul. Mm-hmm. And I think that we continue that we can continue to grow our soul by failing and learning. And I hate sounding redundant like this. And but just learn. That's all mm-hmm. I'll say on that. Yeah. But that was just something I thought. Yeah. It's pretty funky. But yeah, man. Anything anything else? I mean, I just want to thank you, dude. Uh, you're such a blessing as a friend. It's <laughs> such a blessing to be here. Cause I mean, I like, I was a little bit nervous to come here and then like, I think you may have caught on and you're like, dude, it's two dudes literally just sitting, having a conversation. There happens to be a mic in front of us. And then like that, boom. I mean, and you're a great friend to read. I was kind of a little on edge and, but I mean, dude, it's just, it's such a blessing to be here. I'm, I will say that I'm very proud of us both as individuals. And then I'm proud of us for our friendship too, to to come together do this kick ass and yeah. what we did. So, I mean, thank We're you. We're upgrading. Dude. Thank you. This was awesome. Well, everybody, this has been the coffee table and we will see you guys next week. Peace.